we're going to have church today. So get out your Bibles, your notebooks, memo pads. You can take pictures of the slides when they come up. Oh man, I am so excited about today. Amen. I'm glad you're here. I believe that you're not here by mistake, and I believe that we're going to get... Now listen, as we, we, we pursue the things of God, we're looking for sometimes a breakthrough in our lives that, that will take us to another level, another season in our life. Um, how many is glad that the mask mandate is about over? Now, now again, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to wear a mask sometimes, but at the same time, it's not a mandate. Um, th this morning, we started a whole new series, and if you're not a part of our Facebook group and page, uh, do that, and it, it's very easy. It's called the Chapel Assembly of God, Chapel Assembly of God, and you'll see us, uh, you'll, you'll know who it is when you see the picture, and that's, you know, we're not in, you know, Tecumseh, Oklahoma, or uh, Weewa, Wichicom, Florida, but the one in Keller, the Chapel Assembly of God. And uh, anyway, uh, the series will be kind of posted, some things to think about, ask yourself, and uh, it'll be on the Facebook group page, and uh, you, you won't want to miss that. The title of the series is this, Not Three Ways to Give. Yeah, it's not children's mystery, but it is, the, that, that's the title of my message. The title of the series is Chase the Roar. So you won't forget it. Can you just repeat that? Chase the Roar. Say it again, Chase the Roar. Today we're going to be talking about something that will change your life. And, and I say that with confidence because this is something that each one of us, as we do it, we see things change. And a lot of times when we realize that the transformation is a process that takes part in our life over time, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many knows that when you renew your mind, it's not a one-time deal? <laughs> Boy, I wish it was. But it's continue. It's a continuing to be continued until next week, until next <laughs> until you wake up tomorrow. It's a constant renewing of our mind. So th this morning, um, the title of my message is "The Day That Goliath Makes David King." See now, now watch this. Where we're going, you you need to stay on it because we're going to talk about this for several weeks. This this subject about, and I'll say it again through this message is. We do not see things as they are, but we see things as we are. The perspective, uh, the glasses that we're looking out, the perspective of who we are, that's how we see things. Now, I, I kind of want to put some background to this before we get into the message today, some confirmation. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and then 30, it talks about um, how God is telling Moses, hey, choose life or death. Now, now there, you know, not everybody, <laughs> common sense isn't common practice. Everybody amen to that? Amen. So, so God says, choose life. In other words, if you're going, I don't know, should I choose death? He said, choose life. I've said it before, when I was young, you know, and I'd send that letter to a girlfriend, you know, she, she wasn't a girlfriend yet. I said, Did you, do you like me? I like you. Yes or no? Anybody do that? And then, you know, just in case she was wondering, I put the uh, connect the dots, dot, 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 around yes, you know, to kind of give her a help. Please, follow the dots. Check Yes. That's what God is saying to us. I love you so much. We talked about the love of God today, and he's, you know, he's going to tear up a mountain. He's going to climb up a shadow. And See, and if you're with me, so you guys are with me. So God is saying in this passage, choose life. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 
It goes to say, if you obey the Lord your God and keep his commandments and decrees that are written in the book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, everything that you're, come on, all in. He says, now what I'm commending you today is not too difficult. Sometimes we think it's very difficult and who's going to tell us what to do and if God could just write it on the wall, then it would be so much easier and all that. He said, no, 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 it's not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Now listen to what he says in verse 14. No, the word is very very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Where is it? It's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It has to come out of your heart, out of your mouth. And a lot of times, well, well, let's just go on. In Romans chapter 10, now we fast forward to the New Testament. And Paul is going to refer back to what we just read in the book of Deuteronomy. The children of God are out into the uh, wilderness and they're about ready to go into the promise. The promise. Their promise. And what God's saying is, choose life. Just just do the things that I'm asking you to do, the commandments that I'm asking you to, because therefore you'll get what? Okay, some of you got left in the wilderness. Come on, choose what? Life. And so Paul is referring back to Moses, what he said, and in Romans chapter 10, it says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that's in the law. The person who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that is of faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your, does he say it's in your feet and in your toenails? No, he says it is in the same place that God told Moses to declare it. It is in your where? It's in your heart and in your mouth, in your mouth and your heart. Very critical that sometimes Christians go through their whole life not realizing how important this is. This is the substance of life and death. Now this morning I'm talking to you if you're, uh, younger than 10, 9, 6, if you're not in the children's church and you're in here, or if you're a 1,000 years old, I think that covers everybody. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and your heart so that the message coming, so the message concerning faith, now this is the New Testament. Jesus has died on the cross. And the question is, how does a person use this process to become saved by what Jesus has done on the cross. And this is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we know that as we make a declaration that we believe who Jesus was and we confess it you have to understand the importance of your heart and your mouth. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Now now watch this. Jesus is using the same idea, heart, mouth. Heart, mouth means a mouth and heart. And then corresponding action. Watch what he says. In Mark chapter 11, this is a powerful passage that Jesus teaches his disciples. And today, he's teaching us, his disciples, his disciplined learners. We're here for a reason. And he he says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God. You're dismissed. Go home. No. He says a practical way. He says this. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, where are you going to believe? In your heart. 
believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, if you've been in church for, you know, some of us know a little bit better and that doesn't always necessarily mean on, you know, this, and we begin to reason away what was just said. This morning we're talking about that. Why is it that we reason away what the Word of God says in our life and then change that to get back to the place of saying, I believe Jesus is who he said he was and will do what he says he can do. If you will for a few minutes, drop whatever it takes in your life to receive with the Word of God, what the Word of God says in your life for you. Let the Holy Spirit customize this as the Word of God goes forward. Because the question is, who has been framing your thinking? Can somebody tell us that? Because it just called. Somebody just tell us what the answer to that. Anyway, who is framing your thinking? Sookie, sookie, let's get going. Remember, believe it in your heart, say it with your mouth, and then we're going to talk about corresponding action. The faith in doing, faith is being sure the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. Remember, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. I think it was Mark Twain that said, it's not the things that are not right that we know, it's the things that we think are right that are just not right, but we don't know it. It's a deception. It's learning traditions of men that aren't even in the Word of God, but we're standing, and sometimes through history, men have gone to war to fight for things that are not even in the Word of God. We don't want to be like that. This morning, and as we start this series, here's the premise. Here's what I want you to think about. Who you think you are is made up by words. Words that have gone before, which are in the past. Words that are being said right now in the present. And words that will be coming in the future. Through this series, we're going to bring them to the forefront of your mind so they become obvious. They're the latest things that we're talking about so that you're, they're up there so you can see them and then you can, you can judge them and you can turn them in different perspectives and say, why do I think like that? So, so let me just kind of ease us into this because I know this, this is like, getting a little bit in the deep end of the pool, and sometimes we go, well, you know, I, I don't really, I don't, I, I just, I just keep, you know, in the shadow where it's safe. When we're talking about changing the way that we think about things and how words are so critical in a person's life, why? Because it's believing in your heart, it's confessing out of your mouth the things of God. This morning I want you to think about this. Here's, here's a big idea. It's not, I have to do that, but it versus, I get to. Now, th this is going to change all the people that are, you know, that are, okay, come on, pastor, let, let's go ahead. Th this is something that we're going to grapple with, that wrestle it to the ground in our lives. And sometimes it's not that easy, but there's, there's things that we do all week, right, that we feel like we have to do. We have to go to work. We have to answer the phone calls. We've got to return the phone calls. We've got to, we've got to clean the house. Huh? But when you change one word, everything changes the way that we view it. Instead of have to, we get to. Some of your, that's too easy, Pastor. I know that, but it's hard too. This is the transition from seeing the different behaviors and burdens as we change them into opportunities. Now, now well, this is so important. Both versions are reality. I know that we have to do some things, 
but also it's true that we get to do some things. Now, I know that this is kind of, it kind of grates on me, and the stronger personalities in here, you know what I'm talking about. When your mother goes, no, you get to go to school. You're not hearing me. I don't want to go to school. But listen, as you declare yourself as a Christian, as a child of God, realize that that's not something that is forced on you, that we all celebrate free will. Right? God's not making us. But as soon as you make that declaration, I'm a Christian, you need to move to the understanding that you don't have a choice. You've already made that decision. I was getting my hair cut years ago, and the little girl that I'm, I, I'm, I learned from experience, you don't talk about um, things of God and eternity with somebody that's going through some stuff because they don't want to ever stop cutting your hair until you, ah, what did you do? Anyway, anyways. I'm talking to this lady, and she goes, yeah, you know, I've got a sister, and we haven't talked in so long. And I said, after, you know, listening and being very careful what I said, you know, you're, you're getting a little getting a little short there, honey. Anyway, I, I said, uh, are you a believer? And she said, oh, yeah, I love God. I go, well, then really you don't have a choice. You've got to forgive your sister, right? Now, I can say this because I've got a pretty good view of the audience and I've got some people positioned if anybody charges the mound, you know, maybe. But when you're in the barber chair and you're sitting lower than the lady and she's about, she's got a pair of scissors, okay, you know what I'm talking about. But at the same point, what I'm talking about to us today is there's a time where we've got to go, okay, where I'm at, I've got to do some things different. I've got to look at it different. So... Let me just say in an ease into this, into the deep end, can you understand you get to choose the way that you view things? Now watch this. this I love this quote from Einstein. You know, the guy with the hair? He said this, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life believing it's stupid. Some of you won't remember anything I say, but you'll remember the fish thing. I, I want you to uh, understand that today is an opportunity. You, you might be feeling like, you know, I just can't, I just can't do this. Why can't I do this? And why, why am I... What? When you get a different view of the love of God in your life, and being able to understand about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and corresponding action, I believe that clouds will begin to roll away and you'll begin to say, why was it so difficult for me to walk by faith? Now I'm going to read the story, the battle chapter, the day that David stepped into his kingship, and if you got your Bibles, if you do that, turn to 1 Samuel 17, or in your phones and all that good stuff. 1 Samuel 17, and, and the reason why, I, t I know that we put it up on the screen, and I know that you might, but I would like you to, to be self-feeders during the week, because it's going to be critical. I believe that we feel better, don't we, on Sunday mornings when we leave the church and we go, man, I, you might miss a couple weeks ago. Man, it feels like it's been a month, a year since I've been to church. I, I. It's because you come and in church you hear the word of God, you confess the word of God. Well, Pastor, I don't remember confess. When you sang the songs we sang today, they're coming out of your mouth. He loves me. There, there's no way that... He's going to keep things from, he's coming up. He's breaking down things. He's, okay. I want you to just kind of be primed before I read the whole chapter. Listen to this. For 40 days the Philistines came, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Okay? Key passage will start. Now, this is a passage of scripture that if you went to Sunday school as a child three times, you might have heard this story twice. Besides the story of Jesus dying on the cross that is spoken on Easter when most people will attend church, 
This is maybe the second most popular passage in the scripture. And for a couple weeks at least, I want to just stay here and show you the love that God has for a man named David. And, and anyway, I could go in, but we got we got to move. Here we go. Oh my goodness, I put my clock here, it ran out of battery, my and now it's saying 151 p.m. 151 a.m. p.m. It don't matter, it's not 151. First Samuel 17, NIV. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Let me kind of cut to the chase. They're on one side of the mountain, Israel's on the other side, and they're ready to go to battle. Now, verse 4 says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Now, if you take what they're talking about in cubits, he was 9 foot, 9 inches tall. Give you an idea, a little verbal picture. That exit sign, above that exit sign is about 9-9. The ceiling pitch of the roof starts at 10 foot, so I'm estimating right there at 9. How many, how many knows that's a big boy? Now, now the passage of Scripture is going to do, just for a few seconds here, a few verses describe, because we want to show you, the Bible does, the, the description of the obstacle. He's 9'9". He has a helmet of bronze, and he wore a coat of scale armor that's 125 pounds. Who's in here that's 125? Don't raise your hand. Anyway, you know how much 125 pounds are? That's a lot of weight. That's the coat that the dude's got on. If he's 9 foot 9 and wearing a coat that's 125, it doesn't tell us, but how much you think that guy weighs? He's a big boy. Obstacle standing right in the army of God's way. To beat the band, they even describe a little bit more to show you how fierce he is. The head, the spearhead, the javelin, just the head, weighs 15 pounds. And he's going to throw that thing. Can you imagine that coming whizzing by or whizzing in? <laughs> you? That's, how, that, that's the description. Now let's show you what is he doing. Now, now, remember, it's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth and then corresponding actions. Do you realize that the enemy knows this too, the power of this? Some of you are going, really? He's been using it on all of us for years. How many years? How old are you? All right. So the description, he's big. He's ugly, and he's loud. Goliath stood and shouted. For some reason, I don't think he's as terrifying. If he's got this Mickey Mouse voice, who up there? You know, no, no, no. He's got to have the bass voice. Okay, just a thought. Conjecture. That was for free. Here we go. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why? Always questions to get you to what? Doubt. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then, Philist then, uh, then the Philistine said, now again, it's confessing with his mouth. The enemy knows how it works. He doesn't use faith. He uses fear. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. He's putting out the challenge that the obstacle in your life is going to defeat you today. Okay. Again, sum it all up. He's saying that the circumstances in front of the army of God, the person of God in your life, talking words, that's all that's been done. He looks big and bad out there in the valley yelling up. 
But all to this point is just words. What if I die? Why are we not attacking because this big guy is hurting my feelings? Why am I in this bad place? And usually they say that after a mind has been pelted long enough by circumstances, and you might be one that uh, that we want to use the fruit of the Spirit characteristics of patience, but a lot of times we don't act even though we say, well, i got to be paid. Come on now. We want to analyze it to death instead of taking action. It's believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and then the corresponding action, not reaction. We have to act, already making the declaration before the obstacle stands down there and yells up at it. But we gravitate to the worst possible outcome. And we make it reality. Now listen, to this point, nothing has happened except the obstacle yelling up at the people of God. This is what's going to happen to you. Now look at the fruit. Now we we know that we all like to do 2 plus 2 equals the fruit of 4. We want that cause and effect. And we want to walk by faith in the thing we hope for coming into manifestation where we can see it, taste it, touch it. Now it's not by faith. We can see it. But the fruit of fear that goes forth out of words, 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 words. Listen, in, in, in the New Testament, when Paul's talking about the full armor of God, you could say words, words, fiery darts, fiery darts, fiery darts. Here's the fruit of the fear. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Just on the words. Can I I just, please, just for a minute, what you have gone through in your life, what you're going through, and what you will go through in your life, the obstacles, the storms, the challenges, everything, if you will not walk by faith, but if you stay in fear, it's because you're believing the words that are spoken over you. The longer that you stay in that spot, it becomes your identity of who you are. So let's describe the hero. Now, you saw the, the ugh, bad, I hate it. Now watch as a hero comes on the scene, which I speak over your life today. In verse 12 it says, Now David was the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem, Judah. Jesse had eight sons. The guy has eight sons. Now, they're giving us a description of David that if you, if you look at this, it says, and in Saul's time, he was, uh, Jesse was very old. Verse 13, Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first born was Eliab, then Abinadab, and then Shema. Okay? David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. Uh, before I say that David goes back and forth, I wanted to say that There's eight sons. When they became 20, they were really put into the army. I'm not for sure how old David is, but we know that he's younger than 20. And and I don't even know where the other four sons, I mean, out of the four sons, we know three. But David is back at home. And it says that he's going back and forth kind of as a messenger. So he could be 19. He might even be 15. But, but the point of describing him is to, in my mind, now this is what I hope helps you, is it doesn't matter how big you are or how old you are or how skinny you are or how big you, all those different, well, what, I can't, David is just a, a young guy. So all of us today qualify for what we're going for 
verse 16. Here's the, the passage. For 40 days. Do you, do you know how, 40, how many 40 days? That's six weeks. Six weeks. Do you remember in school when you had six weeks test? Mm. The Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Now, now listen, they say that anxious thoughts happen twice a day in you and I. This is the, the most uh, common time frame of when they survey and all that. Morning, and there's a lot of things that go into play in anxiety in the morning. There, there's uh, too much caffeine. You know who you are. I've only had two pots. You don't know me, you know. I only said that once this week, but that's okay. Sometimes it's what's coming at work. It's those thoughts of what if. And then it happens at night. Something about the, the darkness of the night and you're laying there in bed and the anxiety comes. Well, in the story, as we know, and maybe you've heard many times before, this is what the enemy knows. And he's going to pull it on you just like he pulled it on the men of God. They're standing there in every morning and every night just a constant. It's a drip. It's a knock on the door every morning and every night for six weeks. And to our, you know how many times it would have happened if David didn't show up? That's right. We don't know. Could have happened a longer time. But at this point, six weeks. The lie about the army of God's future is going forth and being proclaimed by the enemy. Did you hear that? Lying is going on. They're believing it and passing it on to one another. Winston Churchill said, a lie gets halfway around the world before truth can get a chance to get its pants on. Don't we know that? Gwen and I went to Corpus Christi because we knew that the snowstorm was coming. Not really. But we had planned it, and we went all the way down to Corpus Christi, and we thought, man, we, we love those people at the church. They're going to be hard hit with that snowstorm. And that snowstorm chased us all the way down to Corpus Christi. The first night, when we're in the condo. Baby, I can see the beach out my window. That's right. We're in the beach. It's cold, but not down here. First night, the electric went out. The second night, the water went out. We don't have rolling. Now we're wishing we were back up here. It's out. <laughs> Done. The second day, the island froze, so the bridge going back to the mainland closed. Police sitting there going, eh. So we're stuck. The gas ran out. More important, the coffee ran out. <laughs> and I, I, we're there. We're, let me get a little personal here. We're flushing the commode by taking the mop bucket in the condo and dipping it in the swimming pool. Can it get any worse? Yes. Gwen comes back in and says, we better get some more water out of that swimming pool. They're about ready to drain the pool. What? I went, Cocoa Puffs, Cocoa Puffs, Cocoa Puffs. I mean, I was ready to, don't take away my, Anyway, what's the point? The point was, that was a lie. Some guy walking around the condo, they're about ready to drain the pool. About ready to drain. Before long, we were talking, can you believe they're about ready to drain the pool? The next day, I talked to the maintenance man, drain the pool? No, we'll never drain that pool. <laughs> All you have to do is have somebody just lie. And all of a sudden you go, really? Did you hear what the giant said? We're going to be his slaves. You remember that new little wife you got? She's going to be his. Really? I don't want that. Why is God not taking care of us? Why is everybody always picking on me? Okay. Jesse, 
tells David, take these supplies to the army and bring back a token of the war. In other words, bring me back something of a report, you know, what your brothers are doing, how they're doing, and how we're going to, okay. So David, it says, the next day, they find a shepherd, I guess, because he's the one been taking care of them, and he gets the ability to go to the, the war. He's a young guy. We know that he probably wants to see what's going on. Early in the morning, he takes off. And, and here, here's, here's something. Because if you look at verse 20, it says, Early in the morning, David let the flock in the care of the, a shepherd, loaded up and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out into the battle positions. Can, can you, I mean, are, are you able to imagine this? They're, they're lining up in formation, what they've been trained to do, but everybody there knows they're not going to fight. Why? For six weeks they've been doing this. He reached the camp as the army was going to their battle positions, shouting the war cry. I, I kind of wondered what their war cry sounded like after six weeks. Yeah, we're going to get you. <laughs> Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left the things with the keeper and supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers or how they were. He, he made it. As he was talking with him, Goliath, here's the obstacle, the Philistine champion from Gath, Again, the Bible's trying to describe. He's a champion. Stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. This is something going on over and over. And David heard it. See, when, when I've read this a hundred times, I, I've never... And David heard it. Look out. A person with fresh ears, faith ears, has shown up to something. This is new to him. This is something brand new. And all of a sudden, he's seeing something. He's hearing, hearing something. See, words are trying to get into the gate of David's life through the ear gate and speak into his life. Oh, you haven't been here, little boy, for long? Let me tell you what's going to go on in there. Kind of sounded like a rap, didn't it? Anyway, that, that that guy is trying to explain to David how it's going to be. And David goes, whoa, 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 whoa. what? Now, I, I don't know. David doesn't probably know that this has been going on for six weeks. He's like, oh, we're about ready to go into it. Oh, it's on. Fresh ears. But in verse 24 it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, now they don't say Goliath in this, just the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I, I don't know if they're in their battle lines and he starts coming out with his armor bearer, the, the giant, the obstacle, and they all go back up on top of the mountain. I, I don't know what it means by they trembled and ran in fear, but they're not happy. You ever seen somebody that's going through the fear? I'm not happy. I, I've done that. Verse 25. Now, when they get all settled down and they're back up on top, probably in a kind of a protection mode, it says, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? And I'm, I'm sure they're complaining because that's what people do when they are in fear and they, they begin to allow the words to come in and change who they are. They become complainers. So be careful. Complaining usually describes what's going on on the inside. And let me tell you, it hurts because I can be a complainer just like the best of you. Excusers, huh? I'll tell you why I'm not going out there. I don't want to go out there. <laughs> Fight that guy. See, he's, he's left-handed and I'm right-handed and it, it's, that's why I'm not going out. I, whatever excuse. They're, they're talking and it says, he comes out to defile Israel. The king will give him great wealth, whoever kills him. He'll give him his daughter in marriage and exempt his family from taxes. Now, I, I've, I can preach a message on just that. But what's happening is people want to be happy 
And a lot of times the things that they feel are the things that they get. It, it, it feels good to, you know, go to the mall and buy a new shirt. You know, you can look at that. Look at, look at there. So Saul is playing to that and saying, I tell you what, I'll give you something. And the prize is, have you seen my daughter? Bring her out. I'll give you great riches. How much? A little more. Then I'll change your family tree. How? Because you won't have to pay taxes. But the prize still isn't to the place that trumps the challenge. I ain't going down there because all that money and that beautiful woman, she ain't going to do nothing for me if I'm dead. Do you you understand what I'm saying? The cost sometimes, what we think, is greater than the prize that God is saying, oh, no, no, choose life. Believe in your heart. I know it's hard to believe in my heart. Confess with your mouth, and then the corresponding action. Look, it says, David asked the men standing there, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who, now listen, it says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defile the armies of the living God? And they reported what they had been saying to him, and, and this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now again, he is calling it with fresh ears, the circumstance, he's saying, hey, hey, does anybody else see that this guy isn't part of the covenant that we are part of with God? Now, this morning, all of the people here will get a chance to take place in the covenant. We're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of the service. And we might run a little late. Usually when we do it during the worship, Lisa gives me about five minutes, but she took all five minutes today, so I'll have to take it down my sermon. It was wonderful worship, by the way. But listen to this. David's saying, who is this guy? You're you're telling me that the prize is all that and nobody's taking it up? And who is he, the uncircumcised Philip? Who is that guy that's not the covenant? can, Can you just a minute? Can you hear the Holy Spirit speaking in your life? What is the challenge that you're allowing to give you fear to keep you in the place that you're in that that obstacle is not under the covenant of God? And even if it's a person, and even if it's a Christian that's your obstacle, understand, and again, this is a whole other level of maturity, but we do not war against flesh and blood. I got to stay on, or we'll, I'll preach four messages today. Come on, Gwen did such a great job, and then Roger Lewis the week before. But I'm sorry, I haven't preached in two weeks. Here we go. In verse 28, when Elib's David's older brother heard him speaking with the men, now he heard him speaking words of faith. He burned with anger and ask, why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? If It's in our term, those little sheep, because anything you want to be demeaning is always the little, those little sheep. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Fiery darts, fiery darts. The enemy, Goliath, is throwing words. Now somebody supposedly on his own team is throwing words. And let me tell you, this, this is reality in your life, my life. Here's Eliab, and he, listen, he has been in the middle of all these words that are changing who he is. Eliab, let me just take you back. When, when Samuel comes to prophetically declare that David is the next king over Saul and will take his place, that's just prophetical. He's anointing him and declaring him. David has to get lined up and with corresponding action walk in that identity. But before he declares, remember, Samuel brings all the sons of Jesse out and when it says that he sees Eliab, the oldest, do you guys remember this story? He says, oh, surely I'm in the presence of God's anointed. Eliab must have been a very good-looking guy, very sharp, probably had the 
the pipes, went to the show, the gun show, you know, all that. He's it. But he was, God didn't choose him at that time. Now he's a warrior. I've got that. I'm the oldest in Jesse's family. I'm the warrior. And little David shows up. Now watch this. In comparison to your life and my life and everybody's life in here, realize that when there's somebody that acts super spiritual, shows up and starts talking faith, don't we go, come on, settle down. When John Emberley, the, the guy that kind of started the Vineyard Church, they say that he showed up as a kind of a hippie back in the 60s to kind of a, a traditional established church. And he came in the back and, and he, he's watching the service and he's got fresh eyes of faith and he, he, he motions to the usher and the usher, big usher comes over and he says, hey, when do you guys do the stuff? When do we do the stuff? He, the usher goes, what stuff? Well, you know, the turning the water into wine and, and, and when do you feed the five you know the five thousand what do you when 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 when, when, when do you do the stuff and does <laughs> well we we believe the stuff we just don't do the stuff guys aren't we there when somebody a face shows up it can make us burn with anger I, okay Keep going, John. Here we go. And David says, really, God, you know, he looks at his brother and goes, what have I done? You see, he don't get it. Aren't we all part of God's army? Are we not all moving forward? Shouldn't we thump this guy? Come on. Shouldn't we walk through the obstacles that are... And so it says that they reported to Saul and they take him to Saul. So I got this picture of this big tent, you know, and they bring little David and go, okay, you, you talk a big talk, let's go. And they take him to Saul and it says, he shows up and he says this, I love these, th- this is faith right here. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now everybody, this is John Miller conjecture. This isn't in the word of God, but I just have to imagine everybody in the tent would go, you're, and, and Saul says it. He says, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Let me tell you your identity. You little boy. He big boy. He step on you. But David said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear, now listen to the faith. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, what did he do? Now, you, you know that he killed him, but what did it say? It says this. Hear this. This is the title of the series. He says, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. In other words, the title of our series is Chase the Roar. The obstacle, the enemy, the lion is going to come and take, steal, kill, destroy what David has. And he doesn't go, I only miss one of them. I got many more. No, he goes after him. This is going to be played out in a few seconds, maybe minutes. He goes after it, it says, and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, so we know the enemy, just be ready. When he turned on me, I seized it by its hair. One translation says by the beard. I kind of like that. Struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The circumcised Philistine will not be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord, not me, the Lord who rescued me from the pole of the lion and the pole of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. In my translation, I don't see exclamation mark. Do you? I don't think that he was like, go and may God be with you. I think he's like, okay, go. See, some people think that Goliath is nine. I mean, we know nine foot nine. Some people think because it says Saul's description in the Bible is head and shoulders above 
all the men, you know, in the army, that he's probably somewhere between, you know, well, somewhere seven foot or right under that. And some think that Goliath has been agging Saul out to fight him because Saul is a man of battle. You have to wonder if Saul isn't going, okay, David, go get him. I don't have to go. And the reason why is because he might have a little guilt. And he starts trying, it says the next passage, he starts to try to put stuff on him that was his armor, Saul's armor. And David says, I haven't tested this. I I haven't tried it. I can't wear this. And he really casts it off. But here's another thought. That was armor that was built for what kind of fighting? Hand to hand. See, David had been practicing with the sling. He had no intention on going toe-to-toe with this guy. What God had had him doing on the back 40 of the pasture with the sheep, those little sheep, was going to bring him to place that he could kill the bear. Do you know at this time to be a legend, to kill a bear and a lion, and the word to get out, he had to be a local hero. But will he step into being an international hero and killing Goliath? And so the passage says that David says, no, I, I, can't, I can't wear this. And, and Saul says, okay, go on. So look at this. It says, so he took them off. He, cho- chooses, he chooses five stones from the stream. He puts them in the shepherd's bag, and he approaches the Philistine. Verse 41 says, Meanwhile, the Philistine and his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over. Now, this is what the obstacle does to you. And, and listen to me. Sometimes we see them as a physical obstacle, but a lot of times it's some words that have gone against our identity in our life. Now, listen, it could be a well-intentioned but just wrong person. It could be a teacher in your background. You're not college material. It could be a, a coach. You'll never make it as a basketball player. That's what they said to Michael Jordan. <laughs> Probably the best basketball. Anyway, somebody that's well-intentioned, did you say? But most of the time, it's you that bring those words and continually eat those continually say them to yourself. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. I kind of put a little attitude into it. A boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. The enemy will look at you and go, you're nothing. Why are you thinking you could take me? And he said to David, am I a dog that you come out with sticks? I wonder if David said, yeah. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Now this is critical. These are words that he is coming back to what the words coming at him. I want you to believe, David, within your heart and confess with your mouth that you're nothing but a little boy that can't defeat me. And David says, "Uh uh-uh. And then his words come back to contradict that by saying this. You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin. And I thought someone's throwing a spear at me. Here we go. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies whom you have defied. In other words, I'm not coming against you with what you're going to come against. I'm coming with the word of God. I'm coming in the name of God. Now, now again, what, what's the name of God? He says this. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down, cut your head off. It hadn't happened yet. Nothing has happened to this point but words. I'll strike you down and cut off your head the very day I will give your carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the wild animals and the whole world and the whole world. Some of you aren't preachers by what you do for a living, but this is how you preach to the world. 
and you and all the world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's. We sung that today. Did you know you confessed that? Was that in one of the songs? Yes, it was. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Now, let me just ask you. Is the words that David is speaking God's words, or did he make those up? They're God's. How does he know the battle is the Lord's? Go back to Deuteronomy. And if you study Deuteronomy chapter 20, it says that when you get to the promised land and you line up against your enemies, God says, I'll be there with you because it's my battle. I'm going to show you a short video in about two minutes. You remember the Lion King where the little lion, the little babies are, and then pretty soon the hyenas are laughing. (laughs) Is that all you got? And Daddy Lion goes, we're going to see that. I kind of called my shot before I got here. But anyway, as the Philistine moved closer to attack David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching in his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it. He, he's, he's so familiar where the stone is. He's done this so many times. He did, boom, he's right at the enemy. He struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and fell, and he fell face down on the ground. Can, see, some of those guys go, man, he's so big. How am I ever going to defeat him? David's going, man, he's so big. How am I going to miss that big old five head that he's got? He don't have a four head. He's got a five head. Beach ball. (laughs) All right. He slings it. It goes in his head. He's down, face down. He's down. He's down. Can you hear Howard Cosell if he was narrating that? Brazier's down. He goes down. He's face down. It says, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. Check that out. It's making sure that you know that everybody up there thought the only way you're going to kill this guy is with a sword. It says he didn't even have a sword. Now, again, let me just put in this little thing because it's so important. Do you know that one of the popular writers today in business is Malcolm Gladwell. He's not even a Christian. He's written all these books, and he wrote a book on David and Goliath and says, really, the people that were in the army, the Israelites, missed it. Because really, this is what I laugh. This is, a, I think, a non-believer saying it. He says, really, Goliath was the underdog. And first Christian go, wait a minute. But he said that David had a slingshot and they have proven that that slingshot would go at a, a force that was like almost, in their day, a gun. So it was like David showed up with a loaded forty-five, and Goliath's got a spear. Uh, I think you brought a knife to a gunfight. We don't see things as they are. We see the things as we are. And David shows up and sees things totally different than all those other guys. I'm a covenant believer. I've got a 45. What will be given the man? I'm just saying. I just want to know. I wasn't here. The woman? The riches? The tax exemption? Can, can you hear it? So it says he, he falls. David runs over, takes, the, takes hold of the sword of the Philistine, his own. The thing that came against God, God uses against him. And David cuts his head off. Now, now again, this is kind of morbid, but it's a descriptive to understand the finality of the enemy. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Now watch this. There, there's a key word, and it says, Then. The enemy sees Goliath die, and they run then. Can you say then? This is part of the prize of you walking by faith. Those people that you love, and, and they're just not there yet. You don't belittle them. You don't, you, know, you don't have enough faith. You're nothing. No. You defeat the enemy, the obstacle. Then, it says, the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout. and Well, now they got it. They felt the anointing. 
All right, now I can see it. Then they surged forward and shouted and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. All the dead are strewn out. Verse 53, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered the camp. So they got more now than they did before they came to the battle. It's another prize of the believer. Did, did you get that? Because a lot of times you go, man, if I just get through this obstacle, then I'll, I'll be so much happy. Let me tell you, there's a lot more on the other side than just happiness. But the enemy will not shoot. Do you think anybody in the Israelites' army thought that the, all the plunder of all... Now realize that there's sometimes... When they defeated into the promised land, there was over a million in the army... So we don't know how many people that Saul has at battle. Let, let's say it's 50,000. But can you imagine how much supplies and all the good stuff that these enemy soldiers had that they went, leave it and run for your life, that they came back and plundered? Okay, now, now the finality, but the fun part. It says that David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistine's whipping in his own tent. He takes his, the head dripping with blood, back to his room. He's a teenager. Now, that's kind of morbid, isn't it? Thinking that a guy's going to take his head back? Do you know that in, uh, in uh, the 1700s, in that time period, in Japan, they would actually bring the heads of all the enemy that they defeated on the day and present it to the commanding officer? They would actually fix the hair of the guy that's got his head cut off and put up makeup and fluff his hair a little bit and put it on a platter and they would bring it to the command. It was a trophy. We don't do that. Now we put our animal heads that we shoot on the wall. <laughs> ah, who's that? Oh, that's my former boss that was causing me a problem. <laughs> no, we don't do that. Now let me, in this, as Saul watched David going to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, who is that young man? Now, is that not something, he's not saying what's his name because he had already met David. Remember the whole story about trying to give him his armor and all that? But he's like, no, 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 who is he? And he goes further, he says, who, who's his father? And Abner, here's the general, and he goes, Surely as I live, I don't know, Majesty. I don't, I don't know him. I don't know where he comes from. The this king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned to the, from killing the Philistine, Abner took his and brought him before Saul. Now watch this little, little caveat here. It says, David's still holding the Philistine's head. Did, did you call me? Excuse me, I got that on your carpet there a little bit there. But... Ah! Oh, I'm sorry, I got it. I didn't know if you saw the battle, but I was just out there a few minutes ago, right here. I got him. I got him. And Saul asked the question, who, son, are you? And we all answered, the son of God. We are God's sons and daughters. David says at this time, what you're asking, my, 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 my father is Jesse of Bethlehem. Now, show the video. This, this morning, this, this little, we might show a couple of these Lion Kings, so just get ready for all of you mature people, but we're going to have a little chilling church and just a little. Turn it up.
Isn't that amazing? Every time I hear that, I just go, oh, God, I'm your son. I'm your son. And sometimes the enemy goes, is that all you got? And my God says, I'm the champion. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to sing that song. This first message in the series, I want you to understand that the words that are going forth is trying to talk you in or talk you out of your identity of who you are in God. Trying to steal, kill, and destroy your identity. It all comes to words. And when we sing a song, we're confessing, we're believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth and the corresponding reaction is saying, God, I believe it, I will do the things because I believe that I choose life by doing the things you've asked me to do.